can you believe it? The Lord delights in the praises of his people. What amazing grace. Let's come into his presence with singing. We'll sing number 400, all the stanzas. Psalm 68, bless God in the great congregation, the Lord, O you, who are of Israel's fountain. Awesome is God in his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He's the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Let's call upon his name in a moment of silent prayer. And then after that, we'll sing 119V stanza 1. Found in your songbooks, but also in your bulletins, 119V, stanza 1. Let's take a moment then to come before the Lord in prayer and seek his help.
beloved congregation, in whose name is your help? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lift up your hearts to our God and receive his greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing together 138. We'll sing the B version of 138. With grateful heart, my thanks I bring before the great. Your praise I sing. Great is our God, 
Greatly to be praised, his name is a worthy name. Let's confess that name, the triune name of God. We'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed, found on page 851 in the back of your songbooks. And then we'll sing 145C, stanza one. Let's not get tired of this confession. Let's not get tired of God's great name. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. together Psalm 93, voice of God in creation, finally ends up in his temple, the voice of God in redemption, in building up a godly people, Psalm 93, page 589. Page 589, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their roaring, mightier than the thousands of thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy, holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's seek the Lord's face in prayer. One announcement, we have classes Lord willing, classes Southwestern Ontario in Hamilton, or the Rehoboth Church in Hamilton on Wednesday, and the delegates are 
uh, Elder Nathan Tolsma and myself. So let's ask for the Lord's blessing upon our meeting this Wednesday. Heavenly Father, God of truth and righteousness, we adore you through your Son, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In the power of your Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of truth, you are the God of truth, and we adore you. For your truth is saving, life-giving. It's wisdom for us, directing us in the good way. It's sanctifying. Your truth leads us all the way to glory. Your truth is beautiful and good. There's nothing like it in all the world. You've established your people in truth. Your kingdom stands on the foundation of your truth and righteousness. Thank you for the gift of truth. We started with it in the beginning, Lord. You gave it to us. We threw it away for Satan's lie. We said, we don't want your truth. We turned on you. We took the poison. We destroyed ourselves. Oh, thank you for your grace in which you sent truth into the world in your Son to die for us in our poison and to rise again to restore us as a people of truth. Restore to us the truth for you are the way to the Father, Lord Jesus. And we thank you now that in Christ we may be again a people of the truth. And we have your word. We may know what is right and you give us a worldview to understand and interpret what's going on around us because we have your truth. You give us the gospel of truth to bring to the nations so that those who are in darkness might be brought to light and those who are trapped in the lie might be rescued by the truth of the holy gospel. What a, an honor, what a grace has been given to us to know the truth, to love the truth, to live the truth, to speak the truth. Father, help us by your Holy Spirit to serve you well in the truth. Often the lie gets us place in our hearts and we give way to it. And we use our words, the power of speech, the gift of speech to destroy, to return to the devices of Satan himself, the liar and the murderer. Oh, forgive us. Give us grace to be faithful and wise in all our communication to build up our neighbor. Lord, teach us the way in your ninth commandment this afternoon through the means of grace. Speak your word to us and build us up Draw us to Christ the Savior for forgiveness of sins and for the spirit of truth to fill us and empower us to live in your good way. We have such a message to bring to a needy world. And we pray that you would use us to that end to witness to our neighbors just to 
tell them what Jesus has done for us and invite them to church and hear the gospel and meet God's people. Grant us grace also, Lord, to send servants to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel to those who have never heard. We praise you for the work that Pastor Van Dyken is doing in Tapeak, for the young people there, the ones who are committed. We pray that you would encourage them, Lord, and provide for them. We pray also for the wandering ones, so you, you will bring them back, and that you will provide godly spouses for them, that they may marry in the Lord and be built up and raise godly families. We thank you for the fellowship that the church there can enjoy with neighboring churches in the faith in Tapeak. Continue to bless them through that encouragement and build up a name for yourself in that community, that city, through the churches of Christ. Father, you know how many there struggle to find steady employment. We pray that you will bless them, especially the youth, with work, meaningful work, and enable them in this way to give their lives to the Lord and to serve you faithfully. O Lord, also be with them when they can't find work and they get discouraged. Provide for them. Lord, we pray that you would send forth reapers into the harvest field. For the fields are white with harvest. Raise up also men from our midst who want to preach the gospel, who desire to be trained to that end and to be sent by the church in the Spirit's power to preach the holy gospel wherever you send them. Father, also raise up each one of us in the congregation is those who desire that, who support that, who pray for that, who want that. Lord, it can be difficult to serve far away, but it can also be difficult to serve you close by where everybody knows us. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be unafraid. Help us to be willing to take risks. It's always worth it. It's for your name, and your name is a precious valuable name you're the priceless treasure father we pray for the churches of our lord jesus christ that worship in places of persecution father there are christians that gather under the severe tyranny of the taliban in afghanistan their homes are marked for destruction lord we pray that you will protect them preserve them We ask that you will bring about a day when the church can again prosper in Afghanistan. We pray for the church in North Korea under the tyrant Kim Jong-un. We pray that you will convert that man. To us, he seems crazy. But you know the story of his life, work in his heart, change him but also give to the believers there a special place of witness. Enable them, protect them as they worship you. We pray for the believers in Iran. We look at the regime, we look at the ayatollahs set on the death of so many. But there are millions of young people there who love the Lord, who are converting to Christ in huge numbers. And we praise you for that. We ask that their number may increase across Iran. And that you will change the nation through their witness. Oh Lord, help them to be wise. 
Help them to be respectful, but use them for your glory. We pray that our brothers and sisters in India may also be encouraged and strengthened in the midst of heavy persecution and many threats. Lord, the Hindu nationalists are imposing, but we pray that they will not succeed and the church will grow. Continue to bless Luke and Nancy and the Samuels, all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who share the gospel, who minister the word, build up your church there. And we pray for the progress of the church in our own country. We pray, Father, that you will make us strong in the Lord. Raise up a generation that is vigorous for Christ. Pray that we may be unflinching in our zeal for your kingdom and our readiness to do your will. Also to be very wise in how we engage with unbelievers. Father, may we speak the truth in love. We pray that you will work in our governing officials. That their hearts may be changed. They may be converted to Christ. They may love you and seek to have righteous laws that build a nation and that oppose evil, that destroys a nation. But Lord, really it takes a groundswell of the people to look for that, to demand that. And so we pray that there will be revival across our land. Father in heaven, we pray that you will bless us today Through this Lord's Day, strengthen our faith, build us up. Bless our offerings today for the Adoration Christian School. We're reminded, Father, of how difficult it is right now to live in Haiti, let alone be a Christian there. We pray that the gangs will be put down. Responsible government will be raised up. We pray that the church of the Lord Jesus might continue to be a voice of goodness and truth across that land. So bless also those who teach there, those who study there, and extend your mighty kingdom through this school, through this ministry. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let's honor the Lord with our offerings today for Adoration Christian School in Haiti.
sing again that hymn on the Ten Commandments, 174, stanzas 1 and 7 through 9. 174, 1, 7 through 9. Let's stand to sing. This afternoon, we have God's good commandment, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And we have a summary of what the Bible teaches on that in Lord's Day 43 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 893 in the back of your songbooks. Page 893, on the ninth commandment, You shall not bear false witness or give false testimony against your neighbor. What is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? That I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, I should avoid under penalty of God's wrath every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil. And in court and everywhere else, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. 
And then let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, a prayer for salvation from liars. That's the first word, save. Psalm 12, page 533. To the choir master, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us who is master over us. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl as vile Vileness is exalted among the children of man. This is God's word. May he bless it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you ever notice how every commandment takes us back to the Garden of Eden. So does this one. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The commandment involves two things, your witness, your speech, and your neighbor on the other side. You, your speech, and your neighbor. Don't use your speech to destroy your neighbor, to go against your neighbor. But that's exactly what Satan did, didn't he? He lied to Adam and Eve. He bore false witness to God's truth. He used speech to deceive. And they willingly believed that lie. They swallowed that poison willingly and they died. They become subject to death that very day. And that's why Jesus called Satan a liar and a murderer. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. A liar and a murderer. Speech that destroys neighbor. So today we want to look at the power of the tongue. Both to build and destroy our neighbor. God uses the truth to build people and society. Satan uses the lie to destroy people and society, as he did in the garden. Psalm 12 proclaims this very real contrast between the power of words to build God's pure words 
in a culture where the power of words are being used to destroy. That's the context of Psalm 12. God's gift of truth in a world of lies. And that's why Jesus matters so much, people of God. God sent his word to earth in our flesh to destroy the lie and restore the truth. That's why we need Jesus so much. He sent his word to earth in the flesh. His truth in the flesh to destroy the lie and restore the truth, restore people and society. So the gift of truth in a world of lies, we want to see first the power of words to deceive and secondly, the power of words to save. First then, the power of words to deceive. Lying is both a systemic problem and a personal problem. I want to look at those two things in this first point. It's a systemic problem and it's a personal problem. The personal is underneath the systemic. Let's start with the second layer, the systemic. It's a systemic problem. When it overtakes a society so that truth becomes rare and no one can trust his neighbor anymore, speech is so thoroughly corrupted that everything really is in the service of the lie. Isaiah speaks about this happening to Israel as well in chapter 59. Listen, truth has stumbled in the streets. And upright, uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. If you tell the truth, they're just going to jump on you. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. There was no truth in the land, and therefore there was no justice. These belong to each other, truth and justice. Where truth prevails, whether in a court of law or in the public square or in private, where truth prevails, justice prevails. Where truth fails, justice fails, and no one's safe. A society needs truth to survive. And that's the world of Psalm 12. It's a world of systemic lying. David laments what's happened in Israel. In Israel, God's society of truth. Falsehood has so overtaken the culture that, verse 1, the godly one can't be found. The faithful have vanished. And you can't trust anyone. Look at verse 2. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. Can't take anybody at their word. And the psalm closes with the same complaint. Verse 8, on every side the wicked prowl. As vileness is exalted among the children of men, when wickedness is exalted, the righteous flounder. Though lying has become natural to the human race ever since we were infected with Satan's poison of the first lie, it's always natural, it's not always epidemic. But when God gives us over to our own wickedness and deceitful hearts, the lie becomes so pervasive in a society that everything is destroyed. Nothing is left intact. No one is safe. That's Psalm 12 culture, and that's 2023 North American culture. 
And then words are used no longer as tools to convey truth. They're used as tools of propaganda to deceive, as power games to gain control. That's what the philosophy of deconstructionism has told us. All words can't convey truth. They're only power games. Universities get overtaken by the lie. So everything is revisionist. Politics, journalism, the media, the court system, they all fall prey to lies when the lie is systemic. Even science is overtaken by lies. So that today the director of Toronto Public School System says, if you teach two plus two equals four as truth, you are guilty of white supremacy. You are a colonialist imposing your white math on other cultures. Science is overtaken by the lie so that girls are no longer girls and boys are no longer boys. It's whatever you want it to be. It's the lie. It's unscientific, but it is overtaken. And that's what relativism has brought us, congregation. It has introduced systemic lying. Relativism is the lie that there's no such thing as objective truth. There's only subjective perception, personal opinions and feelings. There's only my truth and your truth, but not the truth. And that's the inevitable consequence of rejecting God who is the truth. Eventually you're gonna end up in relativism, which is gonna end up in a lie of, or a society of systemic lying. So if words can no longer convey truth because there is no such thing as objective truth, they become the opposite. Tools of propaganda. Power games we play to dominate other people. Words then become dangerous. Become vehicles of deception and tyranny. And people will spout lies with absolutely no basis, in fact, just to gain power over others. I encountered this some time ago in a conversation with a Muslim. Somehow we got onto the topic of Israel and Jerusalem. That wasn't wise. I set forth the historical facts that the land of Palestine used to belong to the Jewish people and then to the Christians before Muhammad took it over in BC 637, 635, 637, somewhere, or AD 635, 637, somewhere in there. And a number, this was a number of years ago where I just assumed we were both on the same page when it comes to historical facts. He was utterly in denial of the fact. Muslims, he says, have always owned the land of Palestine. It has always and forever belonged to us. It has never belonged to the Jews and never belonged to Christians. He had no history to back him up, but for him... Words are used as assertion to have power over you. And simply, if I assert it, it's true. Whether factual or not, just saying it makes it so. And that's the view of words and the use of words when lying is systemic. Words are not used to convey truth, but to assert power over someone else. It's highly deceptive, dangerous, and destructive. 
Rosaria Butterfield. Perhaps you know her, a lesbian who became a Christian, recently wrote a book called Five Anti-Christian Lies of Our Age. I highly recommend it. It's not an easy read, even in terms of its content. It's, some of it's just hard to swallow, but it's very good. These are systemic lies. She writes about five systemic lies that pervade our culture at every level and drive our public life. Number one, homosexuality is normal and irreversible. Number two, feminism is good for the world and for the church. Number three, being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. Lie number four, transgenderism is normal. Lie number five, modesty is an outdated burden that serves male dominance and holds women back. Five lies. Systemic lies. But underneath lying as a systemic problem, lying is a deeply personal problem that lives in every heart. We've been all affected, infected by the poison of the first lie that Satan used to deceive Adam and Eve. That poison lives in every human being by nature. We all too readily use words just to gain power over others, to protect ourselves and ruin our neighbor. That's the devil, the the device the devil himself uses. The catechism gives us several examples of what we must never do. Satan's devices. We must never give false testimony against anyone. False testimony means you tell a lie in court against the accused to try to get him a conviction and a punishment. And if you were discovered in the Old Testament to be a false witness, the punishment that did or would have come to the accused is now put on you instead. As you used words to destroy your neighbor, those words will come back to destroy you. Or you can just say a half-truth about someone. And then that half-story completely misrepresents what really happened or who she really is false testimony. Slander is the next one listed there, speaking falsely or without proper evidence against another's character or conduct, or simply based on suspicion or speculation, how often we speak about somebody else based on speculation or suspicion and hurt their reputation. It kind of goes like this. Oh man, she's so ticked off at me. How do you know that? Well, she hasn't said she's mad, but I can tell from the way she looked at me. Wait, are you giving true witness to that person? Gossip. Passing along information, which may or may not be true, but is detrimental to someone's character. A dishonest man spreads strife, Proverbs 16, verse 28, and a whisperer or a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 17, verse 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. To cover an offense is a beautiful thing. It should stay as small as is necessary should grow no bigger than what is necessary. So don't say it. Unless it needs to be said. 
Don't repeat it. Unless it needs to be repeated to protect someone else or to help the offender. Don't listen to it unless you need to hear it to help. Twisting people's words, another category listed there. Taking what someone said, mulling it over and turning into what it was not meant to say. You know, we know how to retell a story so that we're the hero and the other is the goat. Where we emphasize only the really mean thing they said to us, but nothing about the hard and hurtful things we might have said to them. Right? Twisting people's words to deceive. Joining and condemning someone without a hearing. When you hear an allegation, even though you don't have the evidence and you haven't heard the other side, as the proverb says, Proverbs 18, 17, this is, this is such an important rule to keep, biblical rule. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. That's the old principle of innocent until proven guilty. So precious and how necessary in our time. And then the catechism adds as a catch-all for every other offense against the ninth commandment, lying and deceit of every kind as the works of the devil. We must avoid lying and deceit of every kind. For example, flattery. Psalm 12 mentions flattery. Saying something to a person's face that you would never say behind their back. It's flattery. A very subtle form of lying. It looks very kind, but it's actually self-centered. Way of trying to get something for yourself. It's not honest at all. How about exaggeration? Telling good stories involves overdoing things for effect. But we're not talking about just telling good stories and overdoing things for effect. No, we're talking about misrepresenting yourself or someone else. So that you're a little bit bigger and better than reality and the other person a little less and lower than reality. That's what exaggeration does. It's a lie. Insinuation. Without saying something outright to badmouth someone, you just leave the impression of something bad. Like Satan who just asked the question, does Job fear God for nothing? Not really accusing Job of anything except he is. Giving the impression. Sounds innocent, but there's a lie in it. Insinuation. How about carelessness with truth? Careless with facts and details? Sloppy with the truth? How easy that is for us. How about being harsh with our words? It's also using speech to destroy our neighbor. A harsh word stirs up anger, Proverbs 15, verse 1, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. And how about complicity in any one of these? Where you go along with it to someone else's hurt. Like Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, the words of a gossip are like delicious morsels. Yum, yum. They go down to the inner parts of the body. Calvin calls it sweet poison. And this has to do with the listener. When a gossip speaks, you're all ready to 
taste those morsels, eat them down, and enjoy that sweet poison, complicity. Well, brothers and sisters, it doesn't take much for lies to overtake a culture because it lives in each heart and readily comes out of each mouth. God wants our mouths filled with truth and grace. But far too often, they're filled with deceit and malice. We use words to promote and protect ourselves, but also to put others down. We might never dream of committing adultery. We might stay a thousand miles away from drunkenness and yet let our tongues flow in endless slander, gossip, exaggeration, and lies. It's just as evil and just as poisonous and just as harmful, but we'll... Well, it's one of those more tolerable sins in which we can still imagine ourselves to be holy but it's destructive how much we need Jesus Christ who is grace and truth in his whole person well let's see secondly the word power of words to build how does a society recover, a Psalm 12 society recover when it comes to the brink of collapse under the weight of the lie? How does it recover? The answer is one person at a time. One person after another must be invaded with truth, God's truth, in the inward parts. And that truth fills the mind and it comes out of the mouth and it fills the pulpit and it fills your home and it fills the the workplace and it fills the judge's bench and it fills the classroom and it fills the journalist articles and it fills the science lab and it takes over. Again, the personal is underneath the systemic. If you want truth to be systemic, it has to start in the inward parts of the child of God. It must come from Jesus. He is God's truth stepping into the world of the lie, crushing the lie on the cross when he crushed the serpent's head so that he, the way, the truth, and the life could fill us, forgive us for our lies, and change us. As truth invades more and more people, it will take over more and more of a society and eventually become systemic. God will arise to Psalm 12 and do this. He'll cut off flattering lips and he'll arise in his words of truth, his pure words. will take over. That's his promise. Bring about a culture of truth and justice where people are honest and reliable. And I know that won't happen in its fullness until the Lord Jesus returns and creates a new heavens and the new earth. But it can grow, it can make progress through the Christian church, which is God's society of truth. Remember, the pillar and buttress of the truth is the household of the living God, 1 Timothy 3. And that's the goal of the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. A society, society made safe for my neighbor. Not for me, but for my neighbor 
because his name and reputation are safe with me. Because God, by his grace, has cut off the lies from my lips and replaced it with true words so that my neighbor's name and reputation are now safe with me. Are we safe? Is the truth safe with you? Are people's names and reputations and backgrounds and stories, are they safe with you? That you can lovingly confront as you need to in the truth and keep it as small as you can. And that I love the truth so much that I'm willing to hear that and be rebuked and corrected because I want to become more like Christ. And I won't reject you when you rebuked me, when you rebuke me. But how does this happen? How can this live in me? The truth of God's words have to fill our hearts and minds and supplant falsehood. See what David prays. That God in Psalm 12, 3 and 4 will cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that boasts and those who say with our tongues we will prevail. We, it says our lips are with us. We own our lips. Who will be our master? And God will answer that prayer, save us. And he says, because, verse 5, the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. And what will he arise and give? What will he do? That's the sweet answer in verses 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. No deceit in the Lord's words. No evil in the Lord's truth. No flaw. Absolutely perfect. You, O Lord, will keep them. You'll keep your people. You'll keep your word. You'll guard us from this generation forever, this generation of liars. God's words are absolutely pure words that save and protect his people. And those pure words of the Lord are the words of grace and truth that need to be rescued from the culture of lies and redeemed into a culture of truth. And that's who Jesus is. God's words, congregation, are finally a person. They're a person, Jesus a person who is truth, who lives truth, who speaks truth. He speaks to us in his word, who comes to us wearing the clothes of the true gospel, and then by the Spirit plants the truth in our hearts. He comes and lives in us. That's how the pure words of God enter into us, change us personally, and help us develop a systemic culture of truth or culture of truth or culture with truth is systemic and that's how God changes me from a liar who uses words to destroy to a truth teller who uses words to build and bless by speaking the truth in love the Bible says in Colossians 3 do not lie to one another 
seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's the answer. Putting off the old self, says Colossians 3, has happened in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The liar self was nailed to the cross and him buried, put away. And the self of speaking the truth rose up with him from the grave on the third day and in his death and resurrection, we have the death of the old self, the life of the new self, the death of the lie, the life of the truth living in us, all in the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants truth to be systemic. That must start in us, in the Christian community. And it can only come to us through Christ. And the catechism summarizes this new life in this way. Not only that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip, nor slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without hearing, that I should avoid under penalty of God's wrath every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil, but it also stresses how in Christ I can and should speak. I should love the truth. Speak it candidly, openly, and openly acknowledge it in court and everywhere else, and I should do what I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. This is God's pure words. Living in me, Directing how I communicate with my neighbor in wholesome communication that builds. Two things I need to pray. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Number two, I need communion with Christ and his death and resurrection. So that I keep dying to the liar. The evil lips still live in my heart and I rise to speak and live the truth that builds and blesses others. Modern psychologists say that the practice of lying is an important part of our evolution in society. It's part of our survival. It's part of flourishing. You have to learn to lie. So stop telling your kids not to lie because it's part of coming of age and developing the true concept of self. Can you believe that? That's the lie that lives in our culture. But the truth that lives in our Christ, lives in the word, is given to the Christian community, is do not lie, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak the truth in him. Live the truth. Love the truth. Speak the truth in love. Let's live up to the name of our master. He's called the one who's faithful and true. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, take your truth, plant it deep in us. May the words we speak, the impressions we leave, always be used in the service of building up people and society. 
Use us, Lord, to develop a culture of truth. Wherever we go, wherever we work, wherever you send us. May the name of Christ be magnified also in our speech. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. For Jesus' sake, amen. I have followed truth and justice. Let's sing that. It's number 119P, 119P. We'll sing both stanzas of I have followed truth and justice. Let's stand to sing. Congregation, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Receive his parting blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. 473 by the Sea of Crystal.